in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed. But I am no living... But no living man am I. You look upon a woman, Eowyn... But no living man am I. You look upon a woman, Eowyn I am, Edmund's daughter. Eowyn's? Oh my god, this is... <laughs> this is all staying okay, in. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Welcome to Podcast of the Rings. <laughs> I, oh, listener, be warned. I told Jess we can just do the scene from the movie where he says, you know, fool, no living man can kill me. And she rips off her helmet and says, I am no man. And she's like, no, we're doing the book. Even yeah. though the book we are looking at is a full paragraph. Uh, all right, just but um, you suggested do the book, and I'm trying to make you happy, Ben. And I no, I I said I was like I was trying to find the quote like from the book, but it's a lot, it and is then a you're lot. like, it, oh, is. it is a lot. All right, but we're gonna try one more time. Oh, oh, are we? Okay, I got it. Hold on, go for it. Hinder me, thou fool! No living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed. But no living man am I. You look upon a woman, Eowyn I am, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you be not deathless, for living a dark undead, for living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. Dude, you, know you were what? trying to make me laugh, bro. <laughs> no, I was like, we got it. We got it. She's getting it. Uh, no, but uh, I mean, to be honest, that's what would actually happen in battle. Like, you'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, oh, I don't know, man. We're fighting. Like, there's like, stop death, talking. Like, all around. Yeah, yeah, stop. It, what is this? The WWE match? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You ever see that South Park episode where they do WWE, but then like by the end of it, because it is theatrics, yeah. like Vince McMahon shows up and he's like in an opera box with like the binoculars <laughs> and like the, the lights go down and it's like a, a Shakespearean production, but they're all WWE wrestlers with microphones. Oh, it's that's so fantastic. Great. No, I actually haven't seen that episode. Funny, quick tangent. I used to, I replayed um, Ocarina of Time. As an Love adult, it. yeah, I borrowed a uh, N64 from a friend. I was 12, as an adult, quote unquote, 25 or 24. And the 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 area where the the body suckers or the soul suckers. Oh, yeah. It was Scary. A, literally, that whole temple scared me so badly that I had to have South Park on in the background. Yeah. To focus Terrifying. On yeah, it was, off, it was awful. Um, but, yeah, I think, so another point that you bring up too is somehow in the middle towards the middle and the end of the three books it turns into full-blown Shakespeare it really does oh yeah it that's morphs. that's probably like the biggest thing is just the language between the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings of how much like it's so much more dense just with mm -hmm. everything because I was, I remember I reread The Hobbit within the last few years, like probably during COVID sometime. Sure. Uh, and it was like, oh, and then then they just kind of went and did this, and then that was it. And I was like, oh, that's like, there's so much 
just like kind of summarization in the hobbit where he just like oh yeah then the dwarves like they walked for a while meanwhile like the lord of the rings like oh every foot of snow was binding and cold and bit at their feet meanwhile legolas pranced on top this fairy waif <laughs> like it's like okay waif. well and and i learned more about topography than i ever thought i would like like you'd never hear descriptions of knolls and you know cricks and stuff like that like it's it is quite amazing and it yeah. i mean it kind of it kind of does start out not flowery but like simpler in the first book and then all of a sudden you're getting these thou deathless you know it's yeah. ins it's insane all of a it sudden it does it does like mature along with the journey that frodo and the fellowship is going on yeah it's amazing um so if you joined us last week, we, I found a way to be a, a Sauron, a Sauron apologist. So somehow, somehow, <laughs> I I texted Jess and I was like, so how are you gonna make Sam uh, the bad guy in this episode? Worse than Sauron. Worse than somehow. Sauron. Now I do have what I think Tolkien does very well is he has motives for these people mm. in their actions, so. Uh, it's not just some psychopathy, essentially. I think it does turn into obsession, ultimately. and Or, like, um, a very verdy trait is to keep on digging even after you've lost. I think a lot of these bros, these baddies, will continue digging their grave rather than admit, yeah. actually, I've done the wrong thing. Um, which is a difference between, like, our heroes who go, oh, my God, I shouldn't have driven us to battle or what I did make a mistake here. Um, again, an, another proof, another reason why humans or men, the, the, the men are worth saving ultimately. But, but Sauron does have some motivation that's somewhat decent, but just like all bad people that are driven by power, it consumes them. So today we are focusing on Sauron and his underlings and we're, not because Gollum isn't worth a whole episode on in his own right. Uh, you know we can't. We can't. We can't. It's it. us. We just yeah. We're not. We can't. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Thank you so much. I was like, oh, how do I not say this and insult us? We we can't. <laughs> in, yeah. In every earnest way, I mean, can't do a full episode on Gollum. But maybe down the road we might. But today we're not going to. But we are going to. Like, talk there's going to be today. enough focus when we go over the movies of like. There's going to be talk like, you know, I remember the like the summation or like the rewrite episode of the Hobbit trilogy. I was like, oh, this is going to be like a 45 minute episode. And right. I think it was like still our longest episode we've ever done. Yes, absolutely. And so I was very surprised at that. I was like, oh, yeah, like there's going to be this and this. And like, oh, it's like I was basically it was basically me. Before I was a permanent host, I was like, how can I squeeze one more episode no, it wasn't. out of, well, out of talking I mean, about this? By doing another one, yes. But then by the time we were in the middle of it, we're like, oh, my God. Like, we weren't even – that wasn't even filler. We were no, just no, no. No, like, my idea for it was, I was like, yeah, like, we should, like, you know, just talk about, like, maybe our rewrites or something. Yeah, like, totally. Like, I don't want just, like, another excuse to talk about Middle Earth for an hour with my friends. Folks, uh, this is a really good lesson, and this is particularly hard for introverts. I recognize this. Uh, but one way to kind of get in, get your foot in the door of something you want to do is just ask. <laughs> and just ask. It's tough. Trust me. The, the, 
even an extrovert has a hard time doing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it's, it's tough to ask those questions. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to do it. You got to overcome that first step of like, Hey, do you think you'd be interested in this? Like, that's how I got on this. Like, or like, being... I'd like to just a simple, yeah. I'd like to whenever, uh, you know, no pressure. And and also, yeah, no it was worries like, if not is my favorite way to end everything. <laughs> I, I actually try to take out qualifiers in most of my um, request emails or like submission emails to agents. Um, I have learned my language. I've actually gotten to the point now too when someone's like, "Oh, thank you, but we're not interested." I'll email back. Going, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> like, but <laughs> I know like, sucks for you, dog. <laughs> kind of, because like I, at this point, I know what I offer, and I'm not afraid to offer it. But I was advised once to say, "Say your loss," and I was like, "I could say that's too bad. <laughs> your loss yeah. that way." So, and here he is now, host of our show. So. We are focusing on Golem. We are going to focus on the Witch King. We are going to talk about Sauron. I think we start with Sauron. I think we do start with Sauron because, like, his... He's the impetus for everything. Literally everything. I I watched... I just watched the Nerd of the Rings video on just the Third Age, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on, guys. Like, we know... He's a first age baddie, like. Well, he's, he's a cool. Maya, right? Like yeah. he's uh he's he's an OG. He this is this is something I love that Tolkien does. Uh, they existed before history was written, so basically he didn't have to explain how. Oh, he's so smart. <laughs> like, and again, like it's so funny because there's so much about I don't know, like where we talked about Saruman being written in hindsight. The history of him, there's still a little bit of that because there is like a really interesting fact that I had to write down. Um, and there's so much of Sauron, like between when Isildur cut the ring off his finger, him retreating to the east, and I mean, like the far east, like the Haradrim and stuff like that, not just Mordor. And all well, the Mordor is south, yeah, but like they call it the east because oh. you know it's still it's like it's southeast. Got it. Um, oh, got it. Word, yeah, but just uh. Everything that he touches, I feel like the movies did a great job of like, oh, you know, he's growing in power. He's very, you know, this and that. His mere presence when he comes out of the East and uh, st- uh, stations himself at Dogoldir, mm. his mere presence of like spiders, dragons start attacking uh, the orcs. Um uh, the Witch King returns and, like, the Wars of Angmar happen, which basically eliminates the line of Isildur and all of the, like, the Dunedain and of everything. Like, everything, he's such a domino effect presence that I don't, it's so underrated how the forces of good won because he's literally just a deity of evil. He's God, not. That's so interesting. He's not just, like, this isn't. You know, Game of Thrones, where he's not Joffrey or something. Where oh my gosh, this guy's sadistic and terrible, and I hate him. And he's really smart and crafty, and like he just keeps winning. Just his everywhere he goes, everything just turns to ash and like terribleness and awfulness. Well, and I wonder if that's then um, a failing of Rings of Power to go back to that subject, because what we see. And I know you wanted to focus on the the third age, but I do think first and second age is kind of important just for like his origin story. Mm-hmm. They 
he's basically trying to get out of the game and Galadriel pulls him back in unwittingly, essentially. I don't understand that. Can someone please explain to me, like, what was he really trying to just be a blacksmith in Numenor or was he trying to cause the downfall of Numenor? Like the flooding is what we see the, the well, he had it out of. for the Numenorians, right? I think he did. Yeah, he, they say that, you know, his one goal was to re, uh, regain the power of the ring and to destroy the line of Isildur. Right. Those are his two goals. And, but, but that was after the ring had been cut off. So before, yes. before the ring had even been forged, that's what, ring of, that's what Rings of Power is building toward. And I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Without what, saying the word ring. <laughs> A small circular item that may be placed you could upon the carry head. with you all the time. <laughs> Not a crown too large. The crown is something that go would go on your hands. Mm. Maybe the fingers. Not yeah, not a bracelet. No, no, no. Too you don't much. wrap the necklace around your mm. fingers. And they would be of power. <laughs> like, oh my God! Say the word ring. Like, we all know what we're doing here. Yeah, a bunch of people finished once they saw. Once they said, "Did they ever oh, say ring?" Yeah. Ring. <laughs> I think that just pushed us into PG thirteen territory. Mm. Um, so, what I am trying to remember what role the Numenorians played in the battle against Morgoth, because this is what kind of shocked me when we were learning with Alex about Sauron as a major player. And it, it, that might be important even before the rings of power came out. Morgoth was like insanely powerful. Like, Oh absolute, yeah. Like actually makes Sauron look like a joke, kind of, how powerful he was. And they do manage, you know, I think Morgoth, like, seduces Shelob, and Shelob drinks the two, the life of the two trees. Light of the tree. All Did they show things. that? They showed that in the beginning, right? They showed the two trees, and they just showed the two trees go out. They didn't show Shelob. And I think in the second... Ungoliant, you mean. Ungo thank you. The, thank I, you. I only caught it in the last one, too. No, Ungoliant is the... Um, Mother and she loves like a, a spawn, which is, you know, yeah. kind of purports how it kind of betrays how powerful she is. Thank you. I think I think we think we're going to see she in the next one in the next I, season. I'd be OK with that because like, you can't show Ungoliant because she's too powerful. Uh, the fact that she gets so powerful that she does defeat Morgoth. If Morgoth cries. Does she defeat Morgoth? I don't remember. She, she defeats Morgoth so much so that she's about to like kind of take the Silmarils and kind of drain him of his power because her oh, lust right. is so great for more and more and more. Right. And that if he his cries of like pain awaken the Balrogs and the Balrogs chase off on Goliath. Wow. And then she Wild. devours herself. That's right. Wild. Yeah. Wild. We do have an episode on, on Goliath, should that interest you. Um but Sauron started out as a pretty good dude. He was pure. He was a, a, an actual, you know, god or angel or whatever you want to conflate with Maya and Maiar. And he he just wanted order. He wanted things to not be so chaotic. Mm -hmm. And Ale kind of wanted that. Like, Ale didn't want that, but Ale wanted his, like, he wanted his little playground too, but... And he had his own structure. Like he got pissed when 
someone, one of the dudes made the dwarfs before him, before he woke the elves. You know, he like had his like order that he wanted, but Sauron had it in his mind that there was a better way. And I think that slowly corrupted him and moved him over to Morgoth's side. Morgoth. So what you're saying though, is by the, by, by the time we see Sauron, or by the time he deals with Isildur and he you know, becomes non-corporeal, he's become so corrupt that just like as he walks the earth, the grass turns. Yes. Like he is just that bad. And I guess I didn't even realize um, I was watching this video and a plague dominates Middle Earth like an epidemic and oh. in 1635. And I guess that is the thing that causes... Um, uh, Denethor, Boromir, and Faramir's uh, mother, that causes her death. And it's like, it's so funny. It's like, and it's suspected that Sauron was, it's like, this is fiction. This isn't like a true crime documentary. Like, we can, can we confirm these things or what's going on here? <laughs> well, again, that's what makes Tolkien like, he's like giving himself space to correct it. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. which I do love that. But yeah, for, I think, I think Sauron did it. But I, think, I guess, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I think, though, what that says is like basically almost all the bad in the world, everyone had like a reason to get back at Sauron. If, yes. If not only because he was going to rid the world of everybody. Um, but that's interesting. He's not the source of evil because men can will, be good and bad. I will say this a little interesting fact is that uh, Sauron uh, got. Uh, the Palantir from uh, Minas Morgul, and he was like spying on everybody and like mm-hmm. trying to find everything. And when Denethor activated his Palantir, uh, Sauron tried to corrupt him uh, through it and could not. Denethor's will was too strong. But when Saruman activated his Palantir in Isengard, that's how he corrupted him. So Denethor stronger than Saruman confirmed fact canon. I'm sorry. That's kind of big news. That's kind of boss moves by <laughs> Denethor. And I feel like as much as you are a uh, Sam is a villain apologist, I am a Denethor is just like Ex- a misunderstood, like and a protagonist borderline. Like he's not a great father. No one's calling him a great father. But he did a lot of good stuff for Middle Earth while he was the steward of Gondor. Well, I think we did talk about this a little bit on the Eowyn episode. Um, that, not the A1 episode, the uh, Faramir and Boromir episode, he was tired, dude. He's tired. He's tired. He was, like, afraid of losing his seat. He had, like, that's got to take a toll on a bro, you know? Yeah. So, like, 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 that you're, you're, does You're make never sense. not fighting. Like, right. Literally, the worst place in the world is a quarter mile away. Like, and in a it's weird not way, far. I wonder if he I wonder if he didn't kind of distrust Gandalf a little bit because Sauron was able to turn and and saw the destruction that that brought on too. Yeah. Like I think he just distrusts everyone. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. Like you again, I I don't like it's it's I don't want to give a real world comparison, so I don't offend anybody, but just like the and worst. And Tolkien would roll in his grave. Like, yeah, right. 
don't don't watch that movie uh, Tolkien because apparently there's nothing but real world allegories in that. And I loved it because it was just like this perfect like trash like lifetime movie. I of love a, that. It's so it's so good. No, like, he makes it clear. He, yeah, it's so funny how clear he makes it that this is not based on World War One, but in the movie. He's like in the trenches and he sees a flamethrower and it like turns into a dragon. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I love this. I love it. Give me He's more. like, I'm not C.S. Lewis. Leave me alone. Uh, yeah. Anyway, carry on. But just like imagine being able to like, like when you watch the scene of like Gandalf and, and, and Pippin like talking, it's right there. Just like thundering and, and like cloudy in the distance. And you're like, oh yeah, the worst villain in the world is like, we know this isn't you know, FBI's most wanted. Oh, man, we just can't find this. He's right there. <laughs> he is right there. We know where he is, and he's just super powerful. We just can't get to him, like, let alone him himself, because in the books, I know in the movies, he's like, you know, the big eye in the tower, which not a, I was never a big fan of that translation. Like, even, like, the first time watching it, I was like, oh, okay. You can understand why they did it. Oh, absolutely. You can understand why they did it, but, I, yeah, I didn't realize that that wasn't accurate you know until later yeah golem even says like when golem is tortured by the way golem is tortured for eight years in mordor mm. which is in like talk about knowing why a person is the way they are sure um uh golem says that like he sees soren's like physical form he just is missing a finger basically like he's back to his second oh, age form almost i don't remember maybe that. not as strong but hmm. he has a physical form um, but yeah, I understand why they did the eye. I just liked in the book where when they come close to the Tower of Baradur, Sam's like, oh, I think I saw like a little flame from like the like uh, he couldn't he couldn't tell if it was like his imagination or not. But he's like a little flame. And he was like, oh, was that the eye? And I always liked like the mystery of, of it and not especially in Return of the King where they literally turn him into like a, a spotlight. And he's like, eh. Oh, it's actually oh, unbelievable. It's so bad, actually. When you start yeah. thinking, when you look back retrospectively on, I'm, I'm sure you as a kid, like, wait, what? But now as an adult, you're like, oh. Just zero peripheral vision. Just only in the spotlight. <laughs> you're telling me that's not a 360 eye? You're telling me it's not? Yeah, just like, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like I'm nitpicking, but just like when they literally, like, it never made sense. When they literally get seen by the eye. And then the gate opens and it turns. He's just like, does he have a goldfish memory? Like, what's happening right <laughs> totally. there? Totally. That has always irked me as well, too. I'm grateful that I'm not the only person that, that like that. Bothered. I, I, I can forgive the eye representation itself. I can forgive the spotlight of it, whatever. But, but don't I'm be sorry. seen by it. Don't, yeah, you are lit they are literally seen by the eye. And then it's just, nope. No stakes. Yeah, that's so interesting. Ugh. You know what? A lot of this series that we've been doing has been nitpicking issues we have. It's what better opportunity to do that. Right. And we're going to get into it. Like we've got, we're going to have three episodes per movie on these it. things. I love it. And we're going to have problems with it, but I bet you it doesn't be make more. them not perfect movies. But when you see a movie for 20 years, a third of my life has been Lord of the Rings movie, basically. And I've seen them countless amounts of time. After a while, you're like, hey, you know. That could have been done better. But it's just like, if you watch Lawrence of Arabia or Casablanca, you'd be like, hey, you know what, man, that could have been done better. Sure, <laughs> sure. So Lawrence of Arabia was perfect, though. I saw that in theaters. Did uh, you? Lot, like two years ago. Oh, my gosh. I'd never seen it before. And seeing, like, that movie, the fact that 
there there's just these sweeping shots of just like these charges, these cavalry charges, and I'm like, there's CGI didn't exist. These are all real people right. riding horses into like a town. It's crazy. I can't even imagine the the injuries going into something like that too. Uh, it sounds it was probably I think I remember it. It must it was it won all the Oscars too, yes, right? It, like did. it was insane. It was yeah. like the most expensive movie at the time, most successful. Yeah, wild. So we have Sauron, who's if you follow the book, is mostly corporeal. Mm. He is. He tried to. He was gaining strength, but non-corporeal in Dol Guldur, and. And if I'm understanding correctly, and I think this was intimate, you know, The Hobbit doesn't say as much, but there was some retroactive between the 20 years that he wrote The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings. Um, retroactively, it was, he was, um, he he turned Mirkwood into that dense, horrible forest. He, like, he turned Greenwood into Mirkwood. Like, he... But then what the heck were the elves doing there? They're just, like, partying. Dude, like, you, we saw what they were doing. Like, that was one of the best interpretations for me from the hobbit was thranduil like he didn't care right he's like get the spiders off our, our off our land other than that come back inside like that's crazy he didn't like well because they were fine because the, they would yeah. be fine in their fortress exactly like they true and that's it's sees like that and i like that because elves are so in touch with nature and everything but it shows that they're not these infallible perfect beings where when thranduil loses his wife he becomes a shut and he's like okay I don't care about anything except my loved ones and no one's going to touch them and we're all going to be safe and we're going to do everything to be safe, but we're not going to make anybody else safe. Like, right, right. Nope. I'm all about my people and my people's safety. And that's all that matters. Crazy. So you get the white council to expel basically what the necromancer, but turns out to be Sauron. Mm -hmm. Um, from Dogoldur, and then he returns to Mordor. I don't know how he does that, but after, like, basically after, um, you know, the video game sequence, like that's it's so funny because I remember every a lot of people's big complaints, and this is another like kind of hindsight Tolkien writing hindsight writing for me is that that was all accurate. Like Gandalf did do the the hobbit because he was afraid of sauron alliancing with smaug he saw that he saw that uh the misty mountains and dogo deer were fortifying full of orcs he saw that mirkwood was for fortifying he saw the witch king in mordor uh like at, at uh minas morgul and he's like something's happening and so we it's cannot genius to Get not, send a, not yeah. send a whole army, yeah, but like slowly infiltrate with like sort of unassuming dwarves. That's kind of genius. Yeah. So Gandalf was really like, and it, he probably went against the White Council because Saruman was like, "No, he's just a necromancer. Chill out, dude. Go smoke some more weed or something." Um, and he's like, "Okay, I'll do this quest to you know I'll gaslight these dwarves into." <laughs> Taking on a dragon 13v1 or something like sure. that. 100%. Um, and like people, and I, I remember I even said it like, I was like, why did they turn this into like a Lord of the Rings prequel? I guess to make it a trilogy. And nothing will ever stop Battle of the Five Armies for being an absolute mess. But that was all true. This all biblically accurate of Bib what Gandalf was doing. 
his motives behind the entire Bilbo quest and Sauron and like it wasn't they did they made it more of like oh he sh- he shouldn't have the mountain because of like the strategic location like I wish they would have said I don't want this dude teaming up with a freaking dragon right because it w- the war would have been over before it started right and couldn't uh, couldn't Smaug's fire breath it could have also destroyed the ring correct? I believe so yes yeah I believe it w- so. he was powerful enough to do that so. I'm not I'm never gonna find a way to disparage Gandalf. I just I think I think he pulls some Dumbledore stuff sometimes where he's like, I'm not gonna tell you. I mean Dumbledore's definitely based on Gandalf. Like ev- like everything about Dumbledore is just like this mysterious aloof person who granted it works better in Lord of the Rings when these are all like consenting adults who have like made ben, yes. full life decisions. Not an 11-year-old J.K. Rowling. <laughs> it's absolutely one of the biggest betrayals as a reader is <laughs> the fifth book where Dumbledore's like, I just thought it would be better if I didn't like talk to you oh at God. all. Order of the Phoenix is my favorite book. <laughs> On it, I think it's like when I read it, I was also an angsty teenager. Mm. So Harry like blowing up at everybody. But like, you know what? Reading it again, I just read it again during COVID. Rightfully so. Everyone's being like, he is abandoned at his abusive, like, abusive. Physically, mentally, emotionally, starving him, locking it in his room. Every kind of abuse that you could have from a parental figure, he has from Petunia and Vernon. And his friends are just like, we're going to go radio silent for the summer. Even though, you know... We are your home. We are your escape from this prison that you grew up with for 11 years and are forced to go back to for no explanation. Literally until no reason. Dumbledore is dead. He doesn't explain why he has to go back for the summer, like, until he is dead. I literally blame the death of Sirius Black on Dumbledore. It's, yes. It's one of the most up- upset. But you're so right. Anyway. It's- That's why I hate, like, I don't hate the movies. Um, the little, like we talked about at the HBO Max special of like the reunion movies was like uh-huh. really cute. It was very, like, it made me appreciate the movies more, but just like that full conversation that Dumbledore and Harry have after the events of the Department of Mysteries, where he explains like, this is why you have to go. This is why I didn't talk to you. I knew what was happening. And like, he takes full responsibility. And in the movie, it's like a 30 second scene, like kind of cut. And I'm like, no. This is one of the most important conversations in the entire series totally. of like Dumbledore owning. We've never had like Dumbledore has been like this borderline infallible character up to this point. Like all the powerful. The only person he could trust. Yeah. And he like admits everything. He's like, this is, he does say this is all my fault. Like I should have told you. And now your last remaining relative is dead and your closest confidant is gone. And it's just like. That's one of the few things I'm like, dude, like, I know this movie is like aimed at kids more than Middle Earth is, but slow, like, slow down. Yeah. Like a second. I think that's uh, a note almost every single movie can take unless it's dude, where's my car is slow down. You can get away with 30 seconds. That goes without saying it's in the title, bro. You can't. <laughs> what if the final one is like a my dinner with Andre with like Vin Diesel and The Rock just sitting across from each other, just having I I want it. Now Honestly, I see that. 
it's it's probably the perfect way to end it. But it's, but because of like their personal beef, they they were never on set together, so it's just like a one in one, and like and it works. It totally yeah, it's like works. that that you know the the thing in Heat where there's the rumor that Pacino and De Niro are never on set together. They're never in the same scene together. And even in that diner scene, they're never like in, I'm pretty sure they're never like in one in shot. shot. It's together. always like a wow. back and forth. And so like, just do that. You know, Just yeah, use each other's like stunt doubles. Have <laughs> Michael Mann direct a Fast and Furious and just like, just let it happen. Oh my God. Honestly, you may sell me on actually watching more than just the first Fast and Furious. You need, okay. You need to watch Fast Five. Like, okay. Any explanation I can give you if you need it, that's fine. They do a pretty good job of summing it up, like, when the movie I starts. I can't imagine I wouldn't be able to catch up. <laughs> Fast Five is legitimately one of the best action movies of the 2000s, right, like, of watch the, it. the century. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm certainly not anti-action. I just, um, you know, Paul Walker wasn't a sell for me. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, like what was a sell was, like, everyone was watching it, so we all went, everyone went to go see the first one. You know, you just yeah, did course. that. Yeah, um, and, and then I remember every time each movie started coming, uh, people would start, um, ra- racing down like our small street, uh, oh, that on our yeah. block, you know, like, or that, you know, what is it? Your cross streets. They would start <laughs> taking uh Winneka and go just drag racing all the time. Yeah. Then- like, uh, I saw the first one I saw like in theaters and then like we went to like a drive-in and saw like a mm. double feature. I can't remember what the other That's movie dangerous. was. Everybody. Peel like ripped out of there. It was it was very dangerous. Like you didn't they didn't need nitrous. They just had a bunch of testosterone that they were yeah. Fun, everyone was like, mm, and then like <laughs> where you pull out of the the drive-in theater is this long street, and it's just three lanes down. And like there's a bunch of stoplights and everything, but everyone was just like every stop was like, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't a huge – that and John Wick are the two – like, I would give them a shot just out of, like, shiggles. So, or, let's say – I think we did Sauron. We know what happens to him. We'll talk more about him when we get into the series of watching the trilogy. I, let's talk about the Witch King. I think the Witch King is the only uh, king that we're able to – tie back to history the other nazgul we aren't a hundred percent sure who oh, like they what were there? yes okay. um at least at least the angmar king uh, you know the witch king of angmar is um the only one that we kind of have an idea who it is there might be another one where we're like probably this and there's speculation as to who we're going to see in the rings of power end up becoming part of the nazgul um, See, I I would have I wish Halbrand would have been the Witch King. That that you think so? I think it would have made more sense. Or do you think like the big um like the big bushy beard guy, like the kind of the not not warm tongue, but um little finger of Rings of Power? Do you think like that guy's gonna be the Witch King who's like trying to make a play for the throne? You mean the guy who's like um the worst in Numenor? Yes. Does he have a beard? Um, if we're talking I about the actually, same person. I. Th- well, so I'm thinking about the Queen of Numenor right now and, like, the guy who wants to marry her. Uh, kind of like Oliver Platt-looking dude. I don't know if I'm thinking about the same dude that you are. Okay. Um, I feel like they're going to make the Queen one of the kings. I think they're going to give her uh, a ring, and she's going to become a Nazgul. That – oh, my. I'm, I, I'm not invested enough in Rings of Power 
You think um, that'd be a bad call? I think that'd be a bad call. I don't she's, know. She's been. I, I I think the thing about the the rings being given to men is that it just accentuated. We're the most fallible, and it accentuated the uh, humans' drive toward power and made them never want to die. You know, it's not that it's not saying that they were bad people to begin with, but I think. Yeah, I'm not saying that because she's not a bad person. I'm not. So you saying... think she's gonna take it to like because she keeps having the visions of yeah. Numenor oh, flooding? Yeah. She's gonna take it to stop that. Oh yeah, I think she can't help but, and that'll be curious too. Like, how do they get Habrand back to Numenor when they already know who he is? You know what I mean? Like, there's a couple questions. Like, how does that happen? Unless Galadriel like pulls. Uh, a Lizzie Bennett from Pride and Prejudice and doesn't tell anybody like, oh wait, no, Halbrand's the okay, bad guy. Okay, I'm not gonna let you do. Sam is all at fault for Gollum. Galadriel's all at fault for Sauron. Like <laughs> he's a bad she guy. Say he is, but she's not telling anybody the full truth. She did it. She didn't admit to Elrond what he was. She didn't. Did we even have? Okay. I because where did the show end? Because I forget. Because I, I like we saw the terrible writing, like Southlands wipe away Mordor. <laughs> it did no. It did so. Did God just call it Mordor one day? Like, <laughs> like there's there's so many better ways that that could have been handled. Oh no, that God. was awful. It was actually probably yeah. one of the worst things I've ever seen in television ever. Um, it was like, remember when people did like the 90s intro to Game of Thrones? Like it was straight out of that. Oh, it, one million percent. Like I was, was like, that. that was something out of like Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> and I don't know what the point was. I don't know why they felt the need to clarify that. It's like you could, everyone knows you have a giant active volcano go off and cover the lands in darkness. Like even, even you, as someone that I was like, oh yeah, the Southlands. Okay. Like, it took me, like, a few episodes to be like, oh, yeah, the Southlands are, yeah, where, where Mordor is. Okay. And, like, and then I understood where it was going. But even, like, the big reveal of, like, oh, we defeated everybody. And then, you know, the dude puts the key in the thing and activates the volcano. Right, like, oh, right. that was a, that was a good, again, we talked about it. One of the best episodes, actually, Tru the best episode of truly, that, that season. But I was like, that was a really solid episode of television. Like, in general, I was like, this is what everyone's been waiting for. And then they followed up with just, like, oh. Comic. Okay, we're Comical. Back. Uh, yeah. a, an episode of Full House ending. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Tell, you can't, no, we're a podcast, but I'm just opening my eyes very wide. Tell no one I am blind. <laughs> blindfold me <laughs> as I ride this horse. It's unbelievable. Yeah, some egregious acts happen. They, they make the rings. I, I believe Galadriel eventually... I don't know if she even tells them who Hallbrand was. Maybe she eventually does because they find you know, proof that he's not uh, uh, the line of the the person that he said he's related to, and I actually don't remember how it ends, which really says a lot for how uh, successful it was. So, long story short, we get to the Witch King. He stabs poor dear Frodo. Those blades are like wild. With what? What's wrong? What are those blades like? Why did it hurt him and scar him for the rest of his life? <laughs> 
It's uh like it was like the the black breath is on him. Like it's they're poisoned. Like they're literally poisoned with just evil, basically. Isn't it because the the um weapons exist in both planes of reality too? Something like that. And I think I think in the book, maybe maybe I'm confusing it with something else, but I think like in the book, the tip of the dagger was still in Frodo and it was slowly moving yes. towards his heart. Yes. And so but like, I think that's what they were able to remove when they yeah. brought him to Rivendell. Um, yeah, the tip did break. You're correct. That is correct. Um, so I think like Aragorn is able to like slow the poison with the King's foil mm-hmm. because that's all. I don't know what's in King's foil, but like the fact that this isn't on every medicine shelf and only I don't know it must be like lost to time or something. That's why only Aragorn as like a, a Dunedain knows about it. But the fact that there's none in Gondor and they have to like luckily find it like in a in a field or something i just that was the last part i read in return of the king and i don't i like (laughs) my favorite part in the extended version is when they do like the beautiful montage of him healing eowyn and it's like the the opera singers are singing it's all slow motion vigo mortensen is looking so incredibly fine but it's literally just him like dipping a, a rag into like warm water and like dabbing her forehead with it and she awakes i was like oh okay that, that's it <laughs> like, well, he is ben, a healer ben not He's exactly a house md but you know what i'll take it this is, it's not an episode of gray's anatomy but <laughs> i mean it's not not though because it, it kind of is love honestly just saved her but no it's it's crazy like how powerful king's foil is in the right hand and so I think I think that's an element of it too is yeah like, and so like he kind of slows the poison down to get them to Rivendell and then Elrond basically performs open heart surgery on Frodo in some kind of elven way and it's like hey uh, this was still moving towards your heart so just letting you know I have this image of him like trying to siphon it out <laughs> like, yeah. like poison from a snake like <laughs> scalpel <laughs> <laughs> so the we did talk about this in the Eowyn um, and Eomer episode. Episode. It's no small feat for Eowyn to have uh, basically conquered and kill the Witch King. And oh, the no. way that those Nazgul shriek, it, sh- it literally sends, like, sends terror through anyone's spine. And what's interesting, too, is they use them, um, Tolkien uses them as markers of time when you jump from Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn back to Sam and Frodo. Like, the the screech when they find out that um, Aragorn is alive, I think that's when it happened, They uh, Sauron sends the Nazgul across the land to where Sauron is, Sauron is, and, like, it's kind of cool, like that. Those same screeches that you hear that, like, literally terrified and froze everyone, kind of mark the time. So, like, oh, that's when this was happening. It's pretty great. Yeah, and like when the Witch King dies, there's like a like a the clouds part for like half a second in Mordor, and um, Sam and Frodo are like, you know, like crouched behind a rock, like trying to sleep, and like, oh, there's some sunlight, and then it was like at this moment. Um, uh, King Theoden lay dying on the fields of Pelennor or something like that. So, one thing I don't quite understand is how on earth do the Nazgul not see the hobbits when they, like, are just off the road? Like, I know they don't have eyes and they don't have nose, right? Like, how are... Th- 
It's, it's, it's kind it, of unbelievable to me. It is, and that's like the big difference in the book is that the Wood Elves chase that one off. Like that was like their big thing is like, you know, they're off the road. It gets off the horse and like starts like on all fours, like starts smelling on the ground towards them. And like, I'm so sad that like that wasn't like translated to the movie because that in my head is one of the most terrifying images. It's like this hooded dark figure getting off a horse going on all fours and all you hear is sniffing as it comes towards you. And you're like, Oh, Oh my God, just the worst. Um, but then the wood elves chase it off. But then like, and I, I love the moment in the movie where it's like, you know, they're in the little hollowed out log and it's like right above them. But then when like, he like throws a bag, he's like, what? And then runs away. (laughs) And then they somehow get away. I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Good night. Suspension of disbelief. I get it. But yeah, like we're, I remember when we were talking about that, I was like, okay, we're going to do, you know, when we talked about uh, Saruman and like he's the bad guy of the, of the second movie and then uh, Sauron is like obviously the main focus of the third and it's like the Nazgul really are just like, I remember even coming home like seeing that and I was like, oh my god, that that iteration, like you were afraid of the Nazgul reading the book, Peter Jackson's Nazgul are one of the most terrifying things on screen, like their screams as they are being hunted through Bree and everything, and then, you know, them showing up at uh, the Prancing Pony and doing, like, the, the stabbing sorry. ritual. The Terrifying. Shot, the shot where they enter the Prancing Pony with yes. the sword at the, the height of the cowering guy's head. The Yeah, the barkeep, yeah. Is one of the best shots of... I have chills just talking about it. This is where Peter Jackson is the perfect director, besides being just a lover of The Lord of the Rings, the horror background is everything here. Yes. And, you know, I wasn't... We talked about Doctor Strange so many many times. I thought Sam Raimi did a great job. He did... When when Sam Raimi was allowed to be Sam Raimi, and, like, the, the scene where they're in, where, like, the Scarlet Witch is attacking, and then she, like, comes out of the mirror, all like, that is so evil dead. It was so well done. And there was some camp, don't get me wrong. But it's it's like, Sam it's Raimi! A, and it's a comic, folks. And he paid homage to that. And if there is going to be any comic imagery where literal notes or piano notes are flying through the air, it's going to be in Doctor Strange. So, yeah, I didn't understand any distaste for that movie, especially if you suspended disbelief. Let that director just do what he... What we don't give credit enough to are horror directors being able to actually just direct movies. And... You know, nothing works with catharsis at its best, right? Nothing feels better than being okay after you've been scared. Nothing feels better than being happy after you've been sad. It's unfortunate that you need those things in real life. Like, I I do ascribe to, like, the philosophy, like, you shouldn't have to have the bad in order to appreciate the good. We just happen to have the bad, and then you can appreciate the good if you choose to look at it that way. You have Peter Jackson for the most part, successfully terrifying the crap out of us with the Nazgul that sets the tone for the entire trilogy, truly. I am afraid to say, I do think we have to do a whole episode on Gollum because it's we're, we're cresting on an hour here. We might have to, honestly, and that, that could be like a good lead up to 
Um, I mean, maybe we'll do it like for just one of the episodes of like Two Towers or Return of the King or something. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But just, yeah, like when it comes to horror directors, like James Wan's another great example. And like, love it or hate Aquaman, I understand both. I, I, I thought it was fun. I know Jessica loves Jason Momoa to death. I have so many feelings about him. But just the the scene where like the trench, like those crazy underwater sea creatures, like one of the, it. it's it's like it's a long movie. It's definitely like James Wan was like, I have one shot to do a, a comic book movie. I'm gonna do everything. Ah. There's a rom com in here. There's a murder mystery. There's an action <laughs> sequence. There's a horror sequence. There's like he's like I'm gonna do everything. John Rhys Davies is gonna voice a crab man like. Uh, who's it's not Glenn Close who voices the like it's literally like um, not uh Cthulhu like the Kraken or something like oh, that sure. is is voiced by like oh who is it it's it might be Glenn Close or it's like you know one, what like this regal like famous like knight knighted actress like I kind of love if it is Glenn Close though because I think it took me being an adult and then and having to watch the scene over I five times I think it's times. Julie Andrews before I'm on IMDb Stop right now I think right I think now. it's I think it's Mary Stop Poppins herself it right now are you kidding me I'm not I'm that not. makes no sense. Hold on, keep. Uh, we got a vamp. Well, no. So my my vamp fill is when Glenn Close was the pirate that they put in the boo box in yes. Hook. <laughs> it's so good, and it's and it makes sense amazing. that they did that because I think she had either just done or about to do the Hundred and One Dalmatians, and you know how Disney just loves who they love and they'll continue. Julie Andrews, stop. <laughs> yes. Stop it right now. So it's like. It's you get horror directors for a reason because they know how to pull emotions out of you, and that's what Peter Jackson does. Like in every scene, where it's like a lot of people, like a lot of people know Lord of the Rings, obviously, but I need everybody to know. I need everybody to know how scary these things are. Yes. I need to know how powerful this person was. Like it's insane, like how well everything is so easily translated and i think denis villeneuve did a really good job with that with dune as well being mm. like hey here's the summation of what's going on and we're just gonna go and we're gonna hope you keep up and there's gonna be like an occasional reminder of like who's who and what's what but we're just gonna keep going and you're just gonna dive headfirst into this world and you have, to, tr have to you have to trust the audience a little bit you right? do like even in um like I rewatched you know Blade Runner twenty forty nine and there's like one or two reminders of like oh yeah this is this person that's what this guy and it's I'm like ah one of my few complaints of the movie because like it's it's kind of like talking down it's like oh hey just a reminder and it's like no like we know like we we were there but it's still like a an amazing movie I still love it amazing well yeah I think I think we should allow Gollum his uh fair shake at another episode um unless we have anything more to say about the witch king or sauron we I talked think... we talked a lot about the witch king with with eowyn with just like everyone's like yeah go girl and that's awesome but it's he's also like the scariest villain like yes in the movies he's like the scariest physical bodied villain like, while Sauron's just, like, you know, the puppet master with the strings, like, pulling everybody, this guy will, like, put his hands on you, and does, like, quite a few people, 
and just absolutely owns everyone. And Eowyn's like, nah, fam, we're good. Well, and if you're any bit familiar with D&D, killing undead is no joke. That's not... Yeah. That's not really easy. So they're... The, the, they are the, the baddie of the first movie. The Witch King is the baddie overall in general and is enough to drive Frodo from his home. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's fascinating. So one of the things we did agree on from last week, we kind of bandied this idea about of doing a Q&A session. Yes. And we're going to do it. I think let's Yay. do the Q&A next week and then we could do Gollum after if we want or we could put Gollum in between and do a Q&A. Anyway, this is your opportunity to ask us literally whatever question you want to. Currently, we have a couple really good questions uh, that really are where we shine. Um, but if you like want to know what basketball team we would put Sauron on or you know what flower would Eowyn be, this would be your opportunity because we're the perfect piece of people to answer that question. We yes. even got um, – we won't answer it here, but we did get – before we put this call to action out, we got a question uh, about – um, what would a certain amount of elves do in a Mythbusters episode? <laughs> so we might just we might just answer that here. We just might. Um, so if whatever kind of question you want to ask, as long as it's PG thirteen adjacent, uh, we're going to answer that for you. Uh, you can get in, in touch with us a few ways. You can email us at podcastoftherings at gmail.com. You can send your questions there. You can DM us on Instagram. We're Podcast of the Rings on Instagram. We're Pod of the Rings on Twitter. So you can also DM us there. We also have a disco- Discord that's actually very fun uh, to make yes. fun of me majority of the time. <laughs> um, uh, and we'll have plenty of ammo after Jessica's amazing thespian performance at the beginning of this episode. Dear Lord. And Dear also, Lord. if any of your R-rated questions are, would I, uh, for any of the cast, mm. non-orc in Lord of the Rings, would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you heard the clip from Hot, yes. Hot last week. Like there's um, that there's that meme. It's like this like parliament and like all these guys are like grabbing at the guy and he's like holding a mic and, and like someone just put wood. <laughs> like everyone's attacking. It's like, that's me with the cast of Lord of the Rings, okay? Perfection. I think we're our own meme. Um, every time we record, I always feel better after doing this, Ben. I'm glad that we uh, that you wanted to be part of this show because it's made it only uh, – a better experience for me. Not better, but a very, I can't say that about my boyfriend. A very uh, she wonderful. She said better. Count it. <laughs> Count it. A wonderful experience. Me uh, over Aragorn from the three line. Count let's it. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, you can, please leave us a review. Share with your friends. That's, we're, we're doing this thing, folks, and we do it for you. We depend on you. And so get help us get the word out there. Absolutely. And, and get some questions in our inbox. Yes, I want an hour's worth of questions. We're getting uh, there. We are getting there. So we, but we, we, I would rather whittle down from the best questions rather than have to answer them all. Do you know what I absolutely. mean? Absolutely. For sure. And like, even if we get five questions, uh, five good questions, we will take an hour to answer all five. I that is you. our promise. We will find a way to fill this episode. This, this will not be dead air. All right, not Ben. All. And until then, may our paths meet again. Bye bye. <laughs>